Welcome to the No Mongo Podcast, a weekly show about all things skateboarding, and my name is Rick Beta. Glad to have you here. Appreciate the support. You can follow along on social media at Rick Beta, that's R-I-C-K-B-A-T-A, or email the show, nomongopodcast at gmail.com. Okay, starting things off with the event of the year that was supposed to happen last year, skateboarding's Olympic debut. I talked a little bit about it last week. Well, you know, I just have to finish it off and chime in on the park event that went down as well. Quick note, though, I do agree with Cabbage from In the Patch that they should have they should have at least had Vert in there, and maybe even for you know good flavor, good ad measure, slalom. Yeah. So the ball is in your court, you know, 2024 Olympic Committee, because otherwise I'm just gonna watch breakdancing. You know, if you guys want the ratings, Vert, slalom. And I'd probably keep it, well, I guess you got to keep Park and Street, you know, maybe a coin flip toss on those. But anyway, good thing is this time around, I was able to see about uh, 97%, eh, 98% of the semifinals and the finals for both men's and women's events. And I was watching it on, I think it was CNBN, CNBC. Yeah. And they decided to cut to a commercial, I don't know, a half dozen times which happened to be right during Rune's run. So I was like, what the hell? Because they would come back, and his run was already done. I'm like, okay. So I never got to see any of his runs. But from the numbers I saw, I I clearly didn't miss much, which kind of sucks. I I just wanted to see one Rune Olympic run. And I haven't even checked to see if it's something on YouTube I can find. I just I just was frustrated and just gave up. So, But things went smoothly once I switched over to the NBC Sports app. That's the thing with the Olympics, though, is that they don't make it easy to consume. You know, they pick and choose what you see and when as well. Obviously, there's a time difference, which is fine. But still, I mean, it's all over the place on various different platforms. Some are free. Some you got to pay. Some you got to be a subscriber to a certain cable or Hulu or whatever. And it was hard to find just a concrete schedule to lock into as well. (laughs) I mean, I get it. There are a lot of plates spinning. But like literally a simple excel spreadsheet or google docs or whatever would have worked just fine you know have your people reach out to patrick Kagongo. the dude made the blacklist and even that can be easily distributed and updated you know what i'm saying and by the way you got to lock him in before his rates go up even more so reach out to patrick you guys if you don't know the blacklist look up the blacklist as well the olympics could have easily used something similar Oh, when is skateboarding on? Boom. Okay, cool. When is uh, uh, rowing on? Boom. Go check it. When is uh, diving on? Boom. See? You know what I mean? When's badminton? You know? Anyways, with that being said, I do have to ask. Now that skateboarding's, you know, Olympic debut has come and gone, and assuming that you watched it, and I know I have at least, I'm holding on one, two, two of you out there that did, that are tuning in right now, maybe, was it that bad? Was it as bad as you expected was it better than you expected? Uh, or maybe did your point of view change? Let me know. But for me, it's it's a no, it wasn't that bad. But it wasn't a knockout of the park good as well. And I'll elaborate more on that in a minute. Or are you basically in the camp of like, you're just tired or you're thinking like, dude, I can't wait until Rick no longer talks about the Olympics. Yes, oh my gosh, 
I'm so glad this happens every four years. Actually, it ha- it's going to happen in another three years, right? Because we lost a year. So technically in three years, you'll be hearing me talk about the Olympics. And, you, you know, at least I'm giving you a three-year warning, it, you know, a heads up. But yeah, every four years, you're just like, oh, do we really have to listen to this every four years, Rick? And I'll say, yes. Yes, it's that important. I don't think it was as bad as many thought it would be. It didn't ruin skateboarding. Let me check outside real quick. Yeah. And I checked online earlier. Skateboarding is still there. And in fact, it's doing very well. Actually, really well. Thanks, you know, unfortunately, though, to the pandemic and the uptick on everyone's interest. And the Olympics is just kind of sprinkles on a cake. Some may say that it is still cool and rebellious as ever. And I feel that way, too. Skateboarding has been just fine without the Olympics. And it will be just fine being in the Olympics, you know? And I always remember that skateboarding doesn't need the Olympics. We know that. It's been said. Skateboarding does not need the Olympics. It will always be the other way around. Always. That will never change. Think about that. That's one thing, guys. The, all the anti-Olympics you know, Olympics and, and contests. Like, that will never change. The Olympics will always need skateboarding from here on out. Because they got a little taste. They saw some good things. You know, they, they get it. They're, I mean, well, some, probably not all, they get it. Skateboarding is the best damn thing on the planet. And after each passing year, more and more people want to get their, like, feet into the mix, you know. So the Olympics for me was everything I had expected. You know, nothing more, nothing less. It's a contest-based form of a thing we all love to do. That's it. We know how contests run. Similar scoring, you know, hey, nothing surprising. No curveballs thrown. And sure, I could go on about the commentators and the broadcasting because I had, you know, I mentioned it last week too. I had to flip flop around, so I never had consistent like broadcasters or even broadcasts. It's on different channels, different flavors. I don't remember the names of two of the, of the hosts that I heard the most. I know I had Paul Zitzer on for a while, but I think he was on. Yeah, I don't even remember what channel he was broadcast, but that's all I remember. <laughs> and I wonder if they had had like. Maybe if they had Andrew Cannon, Chris Cote, uh, Tony Hawk, you know, depending on their availability, I mean, maybe they'll be around for 2024. It might sound a little different, but then again, you might say it sounds a little bit the same. Yeah, we know those guys. We've heard them all before. Maybe that's what they were trying to do is get different voices out there. But some of those guys, I mean, no offense. I mean, I know I talk into a mic too, and I'm not a pro, but I, I don't know. Did, did, did y'all listen to them before you just hired them to talk on uh, to the entire globe about skateboarding? I don't know. I'll just leave it at that. But back to the contest itself, the Women's Park event is and was the event that justified skateboarding being there in the first place. The event. Any doubters or haters that still think that's like a bad idea, like to have skateboarding in the Olympics, after seeing that went down, you don't have a pulse. Plain and simple. Or you just that determined to be a hater. It was a nail-biter of an event that came down to the wire. And that is everything contest skaters hope for. They want that adrenaline. They want that pressure. That one shiny moment where it's the entire world watching you represent your country and it's make or go home. Or in this case, you know, miss and don't hit the podium. And much like I did last week, here's a list of the winners. See if you can spot a trend. This is for the women's. Oh, by the way, Lizzie Armanto won best roast beef. Yeah. Woo. And that was a nice nod to the late Jeff Grosso. Was Grosso anti-Olympics? I think he was, right? Oh, I just thought about it. I can't remember. I don't know. Like I said earlier, I, I bet even if he was, 
I bet he even would have changed his course after seeing the women just kill it, kill it in the Olympics and represent. So I just thought about it. So let me know, was he anti-Olympics? I'm assuming yes, knowing his line of work and he was very passionate about over the years. So gold went to Sakura Yosozumi of Japan. Silver, Kokona Hiraki of Japan. Yeah, yeah, notice the trend. And Sky Brown of Great Britain took home the bronze medal. And get this crazy stat. This says this is insane. The combined age of all the winners is 44. 44. So the future is long and bright for these young rippers. 44. Oh, gosh. Total night and day as compared to the men's average age, you know. Also, you know who's coming back with a vengeance in 2024? Kind of like, literally, it's like a Hollywood movie, a Marvel movie coming back. Hardcore is going to be Musugu Okamoto. It was painful to see her break down in tears after getting eliminated. I was rooting for her. I was pulling for her, but she she put it all out there and just came up short. She couldn't pull off. I think she was trying to kickflip Indy. It was some flip trick, and she just every every run she tried it right around the same spot, so the score was kind of the same. It was it was she was putting all on the line, and that was the trick that took her out. However, I think of the riders that that didn't really hit podium. She's going to be the one that's more than capable of bouncing back, like even stronger after this experience. There's just something about her style and demeanor that exudes a silent, like confidence, like a silent assassin. She is going to slay the next three, four years and beyond. So watch out, world. Misuku is pissed. She's livid. Cue up some Luda because peeps need to get out of the way. She is going to be kicking ass and taking names. Calling it now. Going to be fun to watch, too. Love to see that redemption, you know. But did you see the, how, like, the other riders came down and lift her up right after her last run? You know, that says a lot about her, that she, one, allowed them to do that. You know, I can only imagine what was going through her head as, like, she forcibly cracked a smile for just a brief moment. She was, you know, she was a loser in her mind, right? She lost. She didn't even get podium. But she had that moment where she could, you know, snap out of it for a sec. You know, all the while, of course, not trying not to make eye contact with her you know, trainer. Like, cause, oh, she didn't want to face that, you know. She could have easily been like, yo, put me down, dog. Put me the F down. I didn't come here for ninth place or fourth place. Hands off me. Now let me go talk to my trainer. The announcers would have been like, wow, I haven't seen this side of Masuka before. She's pissed. Whew. Look at the time. Okay. But that was the vibe I got to. I was like, damn, that's, that says a lot of her about a lot about her that she would allow them to do that. I mean, I know it's you know, it's a community. You help each other when they're down, but <laughs> I was just thinking about it. I'm like, damn, put me down. The hell are you doing? I didn't win. All in all, the women's events shined, and they they were exactly what the Olympics were hoping to get for their brand, like some of those bright and shiny moments that we can, you know, look back on, and and it's going to be mostly from the women's events. It's, it's just had that, the, the better feels, I should say. Now moving on to the men's park finals, which was great, but I was more fixated on two riders in particular. They, I mean, we are the same age, yeah. That's all we have in common, though, because I'm sitting here talking about skateboarding, but Rune Glifford and Dallas Oberholzer 
were in the Olympics. So see the difference? Slight difference, right? I'm talking about it. They were in it. Same age, different situations. And as I mentioned earlier, I never got to see and root for Rune, but I did get to see Dallas's runs. I was so stoked that I got my entire family rooting for him. I was almost in tears. And it was almost like we were watching like a Disney movie or something. And I was even calling tricks out on my watch. I guarantee you, like, I was trying to compare, like, if, if that were me, I, I, I would do a Smith grind or some 50-50s. And then he did some of that. It was, it was just, it was so cool. I loved everything about it. Way to go, Dallas. But with that comes spoiler alert. Both Rune and Dallas did not make the podium or even get into the finals. But seeing their age and names on the screen will forever be ingrained into my brain because that was so inspirational. You know, and I think I think it's I know he's from South Africa, but I, I think I need to try and, and get Dallas on the show one day. I'm just putting it out there. I think that needs to happen. I'd love to hear about his experience, talk to him a little about just the Olympics and just just his skating in general. I'm, I'm just I'm throwing that out there. Dallas on the show one day. It's gonna happen. So Keegan of Keegan Palmer of Australia took home the gold. That dude was ice cold, flying around. I mean, he's young, right? But locked in, nothing nothing even rattled the dude. So well-deserved. Pedro Barros got silver. No shock there. I knew I would at least see his name in the top three. But did we witness the last time Pedro, you know, was going to represent Brazil in a contest setting? Remember his Thrasher interview stating that after the Olympics, he's thrown in the towel regarding contests? Hmm. Interesting to see. We will see. Is he done competing? Because he said he, he would be. I don't know. We'll see. Corey Juno and Shake Junt, notice I plugged that, were able to take home the bronze for the USA. So way to go, Corey. Glad you were able to get that frontside flip. I think it made all the difference. Yeah. Just little little things like that helped to get to that that third spot. So, but if I had to highlight my favorite moment of the past two weeks, it would have to be the image of mostly skateboarding's very own Templeton Elliott watching the Olympic Park footage. That's right. His wife tweeted it out for all to see. It's right there on the internet. The timeline does not lie. It really happened. So, with that being said, let me ask you this, Templeton. Does park footage count now? Yeah? No? Come on, maybe just a little bit? What about if it's for our country? And I'm nodding my head right now. I'm sure he'd be just like shaking his head. Nope, in disagreement, with his eyes closed, and it gets faster. No, 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 no. Either way, that was the pick of the year right there. It's going to be really hard to top that one. Let me know your thoughts on the Olympics, or are you just done with them? And you're like... Moving on, moving on, Rick, moving on. Pardon me, my water break. Gotta hydrate, people. Gotta hydrate. Next up, shifting to the undefeated. It's a, it was a Black History Always special, Monochrome, that was released on ESPN Plus last week. Now, one thing I do have to say right off the top is that I totally agree with Steezus in that 
it should be accessible to everyone, not just ESPN Plus subscribers. Yes, it is a service you have to subscribe to, you guys. You can't just go to ESPN. So I hope they listen to Nine Club and hear that. And if anyone listening now has a connection at ESPN, please pass the sentiment along because I agree. And at the very least, you know, it should be on YouTube, you know, dot, dot, dot soon. You know, maybe it's in their timeline. Who knows? But maybe they're going to give it on, you know, release it on TV next and then YouTube. You know, who knows? But anyway, I just had to mention because Steezus is spot on with that take. You know, only because the documentary is so good that it deserves all the clicks, all the eyes, etc. As many as possible. Here are some notes it took along the way. So speaking of accessibility, Ray Barbie made a such a fantastic point on how like on just how it got to the point where skateboarding could even be come something that is looked at or done by a specific race or gender, you know, etc. Like or that by skateboarding he and like many others in this documentary were trying to be quote unquote white, you know? And what's crazy about all the comments in the in the video and the stories is these all these all came from all types of people, you know, whether the strangers, family members, friends. I mean, people that were like in close circles of uh, were were saying these kind of things to these skaters. This happened for decades, right? It wasn't just some random person walking by. No, these comments came from people in their direct circle, and this happened to multiple skaters too, not just one, not just Ray. I just use him as an example. And as he said, it all comes down to accessibility. You know, skateboarding came from surfing, which is looked at as a white sport, which, well, it's still very white. We all know that. But it's, it's slowly changing, but he was using that as an example. So what would normally happen is, you know, there would be no waves, right? No, no waves for the day. The riders would hit up, you know, backyard ramps, which had gatekeepers, you know? So you had to know and be accepted into these backyard ramps, or you just weren't skating. So it was always a challenge. Sal Barbie even chimed in and said, you know, didn't see a lot of, uh, you know, black skaters back in the day with ramps, you know? It wasn't just some isolated incident. It was across the board, right? Sure, there were skate parks and such. And, and as Ray said, things really opened up when the parks all closed down, you know, and skaters had to take it to the streets. When that happened, that meant no more gatekeepers. It was so interesting to hear like so many black skateboarders, you know, tell their story about how it felt to ride their skateboards. You know, four wheels underneath a piece of wood is what we're talking about. But these are the things that were thrown at them, said to them from feeling, quote, feeling like you're the only black person on earth to things like I wanted to be known as a good skateboarder, not just a good black skateboarder. I'm so glad they were given a chance to share these stories. And keep in mind, what they're saying has happened in the past 49 years, even less. I'm just going by Ray Barbie's age. It's not 100 years ago when it would, and I hate to say this, kind of make more sense. But it's still just as bad in 2021. Pisses me off that even to this day, things like this happen. They still happen. I got chills when Ray talked about being chased by skinheads. And I'd heard and, and actually read about it, that story before. But I don't think I've ever heard him like personally talk about it like in his, own vo- in his own voice. However, the more he talked about it, 
and the more he went into details, I held back tears. I had to pause it at 19 minutes and 16 seconds. You know me, I like to use timestamps, but there was no like reason for it. I just was feeling the emotion. I had to pause. I just I remember the exact timestamp. The wave of emotions hit me all of a sudden. And all I know is I need to pause it just for a moment. So once I regrouped, I was watching Ray continue to speak and paying close attention to how he was talking, his body language, you know, even how he was smiling on occasion, you know, telling his story. And I was feeling so like just inspired by his strength. And seconds later, pissed off that he even had to deal with it and be in a situation like that in the first place, you know. Or just how anyone of color or different race, etc., has to deal with it. Can't even imagine what it's like to go through that. Ray continued on with the story, but then it got real when he said this. And I quote, I had this hate in me that I'd never experienced. He discussed the feeling of having this new burden of hate caused by those skinheads. And I don't know Ray personally, but I can tell how much that impacted him. Because it impacted me. His facial expressions changed. You could feel it through the screen. And you could tell he, he's processed it well over the years. But it's something that obviously never leaves you. You can't just wipe it out. The burden of hate. That's powerful, powerful stuff. How many others have to carry that? My guess is too many. Yeah, that story was just chilling. Sad. I'm sure Jim Thebo was or is honored to have them discussing his Hanging Klansman deck and just how much it, it influenced so many skaters. And from what I know of, of Jim, I'm sure he doesn't really care too much for the added attention that is coming his way from this. But I felt it was necessary. I'm glad it was brought up, right? There's a reason why he brought that board out. It says a lot about Jim. You know, only because it was groundbreaking and paved the way to like new ways of freedom of speech, you know, on the boards that we can ride today. I'm glad they gave Jim and that board some shine. Never forget when it came out, it was like, whoa, damn. <laughs> it was so powerful. And as Ashad said, regarding like similar statements. There are very rarely made. So, yeah, much respect to Jim, you know, now and then, of course, for doing that. But I could go on and on about this piece. I could talk by about every single minute of it. But I hope more people can get access to this and soon. I mean, it's a must-see for everyone on the planet, skateboarder or not. I loved every single minute of it, and it was about, what, 34 minutes? I've watched it about three times now. Well-deserved. It was time well spent for me. Great, great documentary. So, But my favorite part of the whole documentary started at 32 minutes and 35 seconds, right as the credits started rolling. Yes. Amazing. I love that. Bravo, Atiba and Stephen Lawrence. Bravo. This is amazing. I hope more people can see it. Sign up for ESPN Plus if you have to. I think it's a few dollars a month. Either way, 
this is a must-must-see. I appreciate you guys tuning in. I'll talk to you next week.